Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. Hi, I'm Fiona Gray. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And hi there, I'm Dave Gray. I'm a director for consulting at uh, Entity Security. And hi, I'm Bruce Snell, Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy and Transformation at NTT Security. Great. Well, we're excited to have you both here today. Thanks for joining us. Um, wanted to talk to you today a little bit about uh, some ransomware and cybersecurity trends and thought we could start with the Kaseya break. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> so if you could tell us a little bit about um, what the Kaseya break was and, and what was so disconcerting about it. David, maybe we'll start with you. So uh, Kaseya break, uh, this was uh, a ransomware attack that had hit uh, an actual cybersecurity uh, platform itself uh, that was delivered to uh, lots of different uh, managed service providers um, and it, it enabled a remote access connection for um, the security to be able to be conducted on the endpoints. Um, and the actual ransomware, uh, the way that it had been uh, communicated was because the threat actors had been able to change the actual code within the actual software itself as in the real application. And they've been able to inject code uh, and that enabled the attackers to be able to spread uh, into uh, the actual um, end client networks itself. And that enabled the actual ransomware itself to be spread. Um, so this was uh, something that we're seeing more and more of as a, a, a classic example of a ransomware, sorry, of a, um, a supply chain attack, just like we saw um, at the beginning of the year with the SolarWinds incident. So do you think you could explain a little bit more about what ransomware as a service is and, and how these ransomware attacks are changing? Yes, certainly. So first of all, what ransomware itself is. So uh, for those of you that haven't um, seen it before, uh, although I think that is unlikely, it seems to be the, the number one thing that's uh, hitting the, the press uh, almost weekly. So ransomware is where um, a threat actor, um, through various different means, manages to get uh, software onto a computer system that will then, through various different methods, encrypt all of the um, key information and data on uh, a laptop or a server. Um, with the intention of being able to extract a ransom from the, the organization. Um, other ways to do that is also to, to exploit them, or sorry, to, to, um, to take some of that data out from the network uh, and be able to hold that data itself ransom um, so that the, um, the, the threat natural organizations, that they will then leak that to the public. Um, and it's just another way of extorting um, cash via Bitcoin or whatever from the organizations. So that that itself is ransomware. Where we come into ransomware as a service is with um, a, a growing number of uh, threat actor groups. Um, they are almost taking a step back from the front line. They will build and design out their ransomware and then just, just like we have security as a service, as devices as a service, as pretty much as, as legitimate organizations do, these threat actors are now setting up their business model to be able to therefore sell these ransomware attacks. Um, and it literally is a marketplace. They can go and uh, sell and uh, individuals can actually purchase the, the malware, the ransomware, 
uh, and uh, kick things off from there with the, the, the attacks that are they know are going to work. It's 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 an interesting thing because it kind of is looking like a shift from you know the the old model, right? I think if we look, you know, even even just five years ago, it was very much a lot of these ransom ransomware actors were kind of acting separately, right? And it was you know you take the you'd buy you know maybe you'd even buy ransomware on the dark web somewhere, modify it enough to re-release it as something else. Uh, but it was really kind of a singular sort of entity, right? But now as we start seeing the ransomware as a service, it's almost like this, you know, kind of shadow collaboration um, economy going on, right? I think from a security vendor perspective, it's interesting because it used to be like a, you know, um, we're looking for the new piece of malware that's coming out. Now we're releasing a new um, uh, fix for it, et cetera. And it was kind of this one-on-one kind of, um, escalation of, of warfare, right? But when we look at it from a ransomware as a service, it's it's more um, collaborative and it's more, you know, more organized, right? So it actually, I think, makes ransomware in itself a little bit more dangerous because we're seeing this structure to it and it's almost like the, uh, like its own business, right? It also seems like uh, some other ways that um, ransomware are changing. Uh, initially, it seemed like it was just holding your um, data hostage and then, you know, once they paid it, um, the, the threat was kind of over, but it seems like now, um, you know, they're threatening to release some of that um, private data. Bruce, is that what you're you're seeing um, a, a shift there in in kind of the growing threat of ransomware? Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's almost like a you know like um, so you know I always think of like. Um, you know, like razors, right? There's always like the new revolution in, in in shaving razors is now instead of three blades, they've got four blades, right? And it's like adding on a new feature to it, right? And so with this <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of double extortion, it's like, you know, it's like the bonus release, right? So it's, it's kind of <laughs> right. a, a way to really make sure that they get as much money as possible out of this, you know, particular exploit. So why do you think the bad actors are increasingly targeting the supply chain? And I think sort of adding on to that, um, you know, if the people that you're paying to provide a service can't detect malware in the updates they're sending your business, I mean, how can you and and how worried should we be about this? Yeah, um, you know, I think really to address kind of the the ransomware, you know, from a middleware service, right, or or from a um, supply chain perspective, you know, it's interesting, we, I had this discussion with um, a couple of my clients, um, you know, obviously, after the the case incident. And, you know, it's one of those where you have to make sure that your service provider, right, because if if we're being really clear, a lot of the people affected by this particular attack, or this particular campaign, it was their IT service provider, right? It wasn't necessarily their security service provider, right? So I think there's a big kind of uh, almost like an, a, a wake up call to, you know, for in organizations to make sure that their service provider that, that's providing their IT services also have a certain level of security baked in, right? Security needs to be part of the DNA of their service provider, right? And I think you know, sometimes an organization thinks, oh, well, I, they've, they're handling my IT and they're handling my updates and they're handling my network infrastructure. They've obviously doing, or they're doing security and they're taking that into effect, but that's not necessarily always the case. So I've been really challenging people to make sure that they ask those hard questions to their, you know, their IT service provider uh, to make sure that they do have security measures put in place. 
I suppose you you just want to make sure that people aren't just patching as the updates come through without sort of doing their due diligence first, which I guess is is quite a it's, it's quite a shift in, in mindset for a lot of companies. Yeah, for sure. And I think there needs to be, um, you know, organizations need to start factoring in security when they're asking these questions, right? When you're going through the evaluation process with your new vendor, look, you know, press them, give them hard questions about what are you doing for security? What are your security policies? Um, you know, what certifications do you have? Um, These are all things that I think a lot of people need to be really looking more closely into um, as they, you know, as we move into, you know, the the next evolution kind of 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 cybercrime, which I think, you know, the attacks against um, the critical infrastructure and the supply chain are not going away because it looks like it's a pretty easy target. I was going to say the other reason behind it is it's also um, reduces the work for the actual malware and uh, the threat actors themselves because they only have one person to attack that is a trusted organization that will then effectively do all the hard work for them. Effectively. Yeah. It's almost like the ransomware as a, as a service model being applied to the attack itself. Right. So attack one to get many. Right. And it's, I, I think it's a, um, I, I don't want to applaud anybody for it, but I mean, it's, it's a smart move, <laughs> right? I mean, right. A, attack the weakest link. And I think part of it too is that if we're looking at critical infrastructure, like if we look at supply chain attacks, um, you know, I, I think about the colonial pipeline uh, attack in, in particular, you know, I think the people that are hit by these attacks are probably more willing to pay ransomware quickly, right? Because in the colonial incident, mm-hmm. we had people getting in fistfights at gas stations, right? In attacks against right. hospitals, um, you know, you've got people's mm-hmm. lives literally on the line. So these organizations, I think, are more ready to to pay ransomware instead of trying to take the time to restore from backups. Um, and that's one where, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that I can fault them in that. Um, you know, I think the, you know, the, the standard line is don't pay ransomware. But, you know, if you're if, if it comes down to, OK, I know that I'm losing 14 million dollars a day. Um, because my operations aren't running, or do I pay $5 million in ransomware to get everything unlocked? It can be a pretty easy decision. And I don't know, David, if that makes you angry to, to think about that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I should have said earlier, I run their incident response team. So it, yeah, it does <laughs> sort of annoy me a lot. But um, but I, I understand it. If, you, if, if you're an organization and you're going to go out of business, if you don't get your systems up and running, then, then to some extent, it's a, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? But to, to ex- expand on that, though, David, you've got um, just because you've, you've paid the ransomware doesn't necessarily mean that it's all gone, right? So you still, right. even after you, know, you, you hand over that Bitcoin, you still have to go in and dig through everything to make sure there's not something else hiding out in the background, right? Because at the end of the day, these are mm-hmm. cyber criminals, right? They're not, you know, a, an upstanding individual who says, oh, okay, yeah, you've, you've paid the ransomware. It's all gone, right? I don't, I don't right. know that that's something necessarily you can trust. So even once you've got an attack and once you've, you know, if you paid the ransom or if you've recovered your keys or whatever, um, it's still very valuable to go back and double check and make sure that it, your your organization is clean. One hundred percent, because we, as an organization um, that has been targeted, you have to understand the root cause for the actual incident, how it started in the first place, how um, you know, because ransomware doesn't just start with ransomware; it, ta- it starts with something else, 
obviously we're, we're talking about the uh, supply chain, but um, it could just as easily be a phishing attack or remote access systems. Um, but that's fundamental, is understanding how it got in. Um, because if you've paid the ransom, then you will be targeted again in the future. It, it's as simple as that. They know that you will pay up, so they'll leave it a while, but then they will come back again. Um, and Bruce, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit um, earlier, but also in your blog, you mentioned um, that security needs to be a process, not a product. Can you expand a little bit on what you mean by that? And also, how are you um, coaching customers to prevent and then also remediate some of these ransomware attacks? Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've always been a big advocate of education. Right. I think the, the biggest the biggest factor in most um, cyber attacks or most, you know, most exploitation is is the human piece. Right. There's going to be people that click on a malicious link that fall for a phishing email that use the same password everywhere. Right. And, and that's, you know, those things, those are the types of pieces that help a, a, a cyber criminal get into the organization. Right. Um, so security really has to be baked in to every aspect of your business. Um, you know, if I think, you know, I work with a lot of manufacturing clients and, you know, they, they always have in their budget, they have budgeted increase for, you know, cost of material, cost of labor, uh, increasing with every year. But I've seen very few organizations that have, you know, a factor into the escalating cost of cybercrime. Right. You know, if you look at any any sort of scale of, you know, how much uh, malware did we have this year versus the last, um, you know, it, it's always increasing. Right. So I'm trying to work with with my customers to have them factor that into their budget process. Uh, but then also, you know, education is so key that every organization should really consider every employee as part of their security policy. Um, I had a, I had a client that, you know, I, I asked him, okay, how many people do you have in your organization? And he said, we have 22,000 people in our, in our company. And I said, okay, how many people do you have in your security team? And he said, 22,000, right? Because it's, it's the, it's the right. importance mm -hmm. of everybody from the chief security officer all the way down to the person, you know, at, at the front desk that's greeting people to make sure that security is, is in their mindset um, in every email, every communication, everything that they're doing, it has to be part of it. It has to be baked in. So how, how scared should companies be, do you think? And I mean, what's the worst example <laughs> you've seen out there? There's just so many examples, so many. But So I, I, I'll give you a, a, a good example um, that we had in Africa just about two weeks ago on uh, an engagement. And this was... Uh, in fact, this was also Revo. It's the, the same um, ransomware that was uh, used, uh, that we've just been talking about. Um, it was uh, on a particular, it was a, for a coal mine, and that coal mine, um, the operational technology stack uh, within the coal mine was compromised by the ransomware. Effectively stopped all operations. There's no coal that could be um, extracted from the ground because of that. Coal from this one particular mine was the sole source of electrical power for the entire country. That, that takes things into consideration. Um, we were told when we were doing the investigation that if we didn't have this up and running within 48 hours, then the, the country was going to be lights out. 
So um, that that's where you you take things to a whole new level. I mean, this we're talking a small country because it's one coal mine, but this this is mm-hmm. a classic example of what can happen. So it's it's life changing, you know, economy changing, yeah, um, you know, terrible consequences potentially. Yeah, hundred percent. And just like Bruce was saying there just now, I mean, there was uh, when we had the colonial attack, there was, there was queues all over the, the the west, sorry, the east coast of the US, and uh, fights at uh, petrol stations. As as you say, it's, it's it, it affects lives day in day out. Yeah, certainly some things that would um, keep you up at night. <laughs> unfortunately, <Definitely>. um... <laughs> I mean, or in my case, uh, phone calls that that wake me up at night. Yeah, there are options other than just having a giant slush fund in Bitcoin kicking around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the other thing I was going to say, when we're talking about preparation earlier on, um, the one thing that um, we always advocate as well is having uh, a good incident response plan in place. The organizations know what to do when something happens and who to talk to. And it doesn't necessarily have to be who to reach out for an incident response team, but it could be who within their own internal teams, who to escalate to, who to talk to at law enforcement, uh, the, the whole works. Because if you know what to do and have it written down and have an offline copy, because if ransom set, you've just lost all of your incident response plan as well. Um, mm-hmm. It, it just speeds up the entire process. And only about a quarter of organizations have that in place and know what to do with it. I'm starting to think that we definitely probably don't. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's your next question. Yeah, definitely a good time to have paper copy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Bruce and David, I want to thank you so much for um, joining the Light Reading Podcast. I feel like we could um, go on for quite a bit longer about all these things and, and hope to have you both on again in the future um, to tell us, you know, what are some other threats that, that should keep us up at night? <laughs> How do we handle that? Um, yeah, so course. thanks again for joining us. Love to. Great. Thank thanks you. So it was much my pleasure. Indeed.